live from Boston, it's the 10 Point Podcast. My name is Bruce, and sharing a cell in Bridgewater State Hospital with me this week. First, the patsy that's going to take all the blame for everything, it's Chris. That sounds about right. right. And secondly, (laughs) his head shoved up his ass, it's Andy. (laughs) See, he did find an insult. The only one I could only get one, so Chris had to take the fall for him. We are the 10 Point Podcast. We review movies, sometimes they're brand new, like this week, sometimes they're classics. Some point, Andy, sometimes Andy picks them, and they're neither of those things. So, uh, <laughs> oh, <laughs> we'll find you just wait till the end of this episode, <laughs> I'm sure. Uh, anyway, yes, Google 10 Point Podcast, you will find us. We are on all your different podcast apps. We again just search 10 Point Podcast, and you will see us and our approaching 200 episodes that we have done. Uh, video versions, the 10-point the broadcast over on YouTube. Just look for 10-point podcast over there as well. Spotify covers both bases where you can both see and hear us at the same time with your Spotify subscription and also free, whatever you call it, non-premium version of Spotify too. As I said before, stick 10-point podcast into the internet. You'll find us. 10pointpodcast.com is our website where you can reach us. You can send us an email over there. We want to hear if you, want, if you want to advertise on the show. If you want to send us any sort of comments. Oh, one thing I need, to, I, I need to mention. If you do watch us on YouTube, do do the old thumbs up thing. They uh, need more do. thumbs. Uh, we get people watching, but we don't get many thumbs up. And partly thumbs up is how people see more and more of us. So we get more more yeah, visibility. Don't yourself. You don't want to be those people, but like and subscribe. Well, yeah, yeah. Obviously subscribe because that's the best way to, to get the podcast uh, video fashion otherwise. But yes, thumbs up that's as well. If 200 you... listeners each week get our thing straight away. Boom. Uh, if you do we'll like keep it, we'll our clothes on if you do it. <laughs> yeah, more likes you get, less clothes come off. <laughs> so we're going to get. Uh, and yes, you can reach us at tenpointpodcast.com or oh, tenpointpodcast over on Facebook and on Twitter too. We want to hear from you. We want your recommendations, comments, and otherwise. And pick, uh, pick good movies as well. And we will continue to not be verified on Twitter now that Twitter is changing completely. We were never yeah, verified. That shit. And we will not be verified <laughs> going forward. Uh, so there we go. That's all that, that sort of stuff I want to hear from you. Before we get on to the reason for the podcast this week, what was everybody's highlight of the week? Uh, I'm TV-based again, so if anyone's got anything movie-wise, they can lead off with it. I can't remember if I watched the film, so that's very interesting. If I did watch a film, it was. Let's throw a Chris in. He's got some random classic film in the bank. Well, yeah, I watched um, Ant-Man um, The Wasp Quantumania. Cause uh, that's a classic. And uh, it's as bad as you're making out. It's a lot. It's I didn't say it was bad. I don't think I made it out to be bad. I think I was just like, oh. eh. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it, there's a lot of um, randomness. I'll give you that. I, I wanted it to and, move the story forward, and it really didn't. It just kind of, it's just Marvel again. It's there. That was always my issue with that film. But um, unfortunately, the best thing about the film is now no longer going to be in any other future films. It, it might be. We can, we can, you can't confirm that Robbie Down Jr. has taken over yet. <laughs> but but if he does, you've heard it here first. Allegedly, Jonathan Majors might allegedly not be able to make Marvel movies anymore. Allegedly. Uh, is what Chris is thinking. I'm so yeah, if alleged, if, he was the best thing in it. Yes, yeah. he was. He is pretty good. Mind you, the other, the other surprise person in that film that didn't annoy me as much as I thought was the kid. Oh, absolutely. Uh, the daughter was fine, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. Because I, I, I thought you I mean always like, oh, they're gonna bring somebody in. She's gonna be a little spoiled brat. Look at me, I can be big, I can be small. It's like, no, she was actually pretty good. Cassie, that's her, isn't it? The Cassie, Cassie yeah. 
She's well, been good fuck me. My, my dog was horrendous. Oh, that's, that's how you butcher somebody. Again, like I said before, I have no attachment to Modoc at all. So that being the way he looks is fine with me because I, I don't really know him. So the, the, the look, he looks a bit daft. It was a bit shit, but he's supposed to be like an absolute badass monster and they've ruined him. This made him like a, a joke. But, yeah. you, uh, but you that, have to do that with some. Like, there are, say there's a million characters in Marvel comics. Not every single one of them is going to be as badass as they were in the comics. So, but see, the thing, the thing I think I had an issue with was is obviously they brought the Modoc TV show out with Patton Oswald. That's right. Which they made him a joke in that as well. Ah, okay. So they, they, doubled, they doubled down on the joke Modoc, and I was like, Ugh. I mean, it's quite easy to make him a joke because he's just a giant floating head, <laughs> basically. So, uh, yeah, it worked. <laughs> How more rather than where? Yeah, does, he, does he poop out the back of his little bit there? Well, he had a wee in Ant Man, didn't he? Like, he was I had wee legs. Oh, I did. Yeah. I had his wee leggies. So. I'm assuming it comes out there. But it probably takes. Well, why did he make his head so big? I can't remember. According to the gate, uh, some random. What's it called? The intergen or whatever it is. Or the, the things that turns people into mutants. I think he had a whole bunch of that. It just ruined them. Right. I think. Uh, I thought you were like, talking about. Just park there, like intergen no. and gen and I can't remember the the crystals are called. Yeah, I think he used that ruined them and turned them into Modok. Scientific Marvel speak is why he's got a massive yeah. head, I guess. Yeah, hey, hey, I like the film. Thumbs good. Oh, there you go. Sorry, uh, <laughs> you liked it. I think it's fine. I don't. It, 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 yeah. It's not going to live long in the memory. Andy, have you remembered anything that you watched? Uh, no. So we'll we'll, we'll <laughs> double down on uh, what you're going to talk about. Mando was my one, because I didn't watch last week's episodes, I was away, so I was unable to see the last week, so I did it as a double bill, basically a feature film, because it was, yeah. the running time on them is 40-odd and 50-odd, obviously. You so massive long so time. since you doubled down, did you, I wonder if you've got the same conclusion as I did. I mean, but, I'm, I'm but, willing to hear yours, and I can... Episode 7 should have been, like, the last episode, because it was way better. Uh, potentially, yeah, yeah. Like, there bits, so obviously, obviously, story-wise, it wouldn't have worked. But just having a big, the big guy with the gun and all that, like, like he should have, like that should yeah. have been in the last episode. Yeah. yeah all the, all the way through, I'm like, I'm, I'm okay. I'm, I'm hooked on this. I'm, I'm getting this. I'm liking it. And I'm like, what the fuck's dying? Like they're gonna kill him off. And yeah, he's like, yeah. oh, he's dead again. No. And like <laughs> Chantel was a world of, like a roller coaster. Of <laughs> oh my god, he's gonna die. And I was like, somebody's dying here. Like. Are they going to kill Mando off? Are they going to, like, Bo- no, Bo-Katan's dead. And then I was like, oh, the oh, armor's sure. definitely a bad guy. And I was like, wait, the yeah, armor's not a... I was like, the armor's not a bad guy. The armor's dying. And I was like, everybody in that at one stage was dying to me. And I was like, ah, just a frog there. I take it at the end. Fuck it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But the, uh, that's, no, that's my review. It, it worked really well as, like, a feature-length season finale for me. Like, I, I think... I, I, I missed the general consensus with last week's episode because I was avoiding everything, but I think people were like a bit effy on it. And then the end of the season came and there wasn't... Luke Skywalker didn't walk in and save the day, so everyone's like, oh my god, such a disappointing finale. Why wasn't Luke Skywalker and Han Solo and Chewbacca and Princess Leia <laughs> and R2-D2, why weren't they all there saving the day? And so like, oh, because it's and what about show, the, the major McGuffin yeah. of the Darksaber, which was utterly useless? Yep. I mean, yeah. symbolically, it makes sense really why well he was able to do it because he had super powered like suit yeah. on and all that but the the, the fighting over the who should lead mandalore because of this thing am i frozen am I, I, know, I stopped you stopped well i can hear you oh. just fine Actually. <laughs> i don't think you can hear us that might be the problem 
I'll keep going about the Darksaber then. Uh, yeah, all the fighting yeah. was about this thing. And then the thing gets broken, and then Mandalore's fine again. Because it's, oh, it's not about having a sword. It's about who's the person who should be the leader of Mandalore. So I thought that worked but, as a thing. But yeah. I, 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 was, I was happy with the whole thing. Like, I'm, I'm well happy with it. However, my only thing is, I just wish one of the rumours was true. Like, I the armour was a bad guy or something like that. I mean, I did double down because I did go and buy her autograph. Thank you. <laughs> She's going to be like a big part of this. And she's, I think she's still will still be. Might, yeah. uh, I don't think she's going to go to that and be a bad guy. Well, it would be a nice twist. But it was funny because I was at a show last week and um, somebody was talking because I had a Mandalorian t-shirt on. And like, oh, what were you doing the last episode? I was like, oh, pretty good. And it's like, oh, what do you think is going to happen? I was like, oh, what I think is going to happen is uh, Grogu's going to get knocked out of IG-12. Uh, he's going to get knocked off a cliff. And about five minutes later, he's going to be riding a fucking Mythosaur. Ah, yeah. And the guy's like, he's like, you should write from Disney. That sounds epic. <laughs> so that guy's going to be well disappointed because I was like, I built this massive script up that I was like, this will be fucking amazing. Yeah. But it didn't happen. Uh, but I'm still happy yeah. with it. I don't I don't need dramatic things to happen. It just ends. Fine. Happy. I thought it was fine. I thought that it being the whole story of how the Mandalorian is going to get Mandalore back again, it worked really well. And it's left perfectly how I would have wanted it. Mando and his son <laughs> on their in their cabin out in the Wild West, and they're going to go on adventures together next time when they come. Yeah, oh, I was waiting for him to take his helmet off right at the very end because he hasn't done it oh, this season. I hadn't thought of that. He probably should have. Again, maybe they didn't have Pedro Pascal for the whole season, so maybe they couldn't do it. But yeah. Well, apart, have you heard the, the other thing about him, where the Disney have basically said, "Yeah, we don't need you anymore, so we just want your voice." Yeah. And he's like, "No, like, <laughs> you you will you will pay me to be in this, like not just for my voice." Yes, but, but yeah, I can, I, I can see that. I can see Disney getting their way with that. He's just going to do I, the voiceovers. I thoroughly enjoyed it, and I, I look forward to Manda coming back again. And Ahsoka could be something, could be good. But I, th- I feel like I need to watch the entirety of Rebels before Ahsoka comes on, since apparently you know, watch all of Clone Wars, all of Rebels, and, and like, apparently the Bad Batch is now intermingling now as well. I'd heard that. Yeah, uh, so, yeah we got a lot of Star Warsies to watch. One more thing to hit on since Andy actually took Mando. I don't know. If, I'm assuming Chris has watched Ted Lasso from this week, the newest episode of well, Ted Lasso. I haven't Lasso. actually. Okay, uh, I don't know if you'll like it then, because remember I talked about that Coach Beard episode from like, last season where it was all oh, about another one. Him. It's basically a team version of that. Like the football happens in the first two minutes of the episode, and then it's basically not about football for the rest of the episode. Right. However, it's still my favourite episode of the season so far, and it seems to be a trend that the ones least about football are my favourite ones. <laughs> so yeah, I, I'm I very much recommend the new Ted Lasso episode. Uh, I can't remember. It's called. I'll watch Flowers. it after this. But yeah, it's a good one. It's long. It is hugely long. It's like, I think the running time's an hour plus. Like, it's massive. So uh, everyone's doing it these days. TV shows just get longer and longer. Right. Speaking of getting longer and longer, this podcast will get longer and longer. <laughs> Although we'll never beat Alien 3. That might be the longest we'll ever was, talk. That was epic. It was an epic one. Uh, and now everyone's anticipating That's we were talking Alien Resurrection. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It was two films we had to talk about. On to point one on the 10 Point Podcast. What is the point? The point is the 2023 historical crime drama thriller Boston Strangler, written and directed by. Do not make for a good movie, by the way. (laughs) I know. Historical, basically. (laughs) That was taken off Disney Plus, was those ones. That wasn't an IMD. (laughs) Historical just means it's in the past or set in the past, basically, I think. Anyway, written and directed by Matt Ruskin. And I was like, oh, Matt Ruskin, written and directed by. Who's this guy? He's got a bit of power behind his name, able to get this film made. I've, no, I've never heard of anything he's ever yeah. made in his life. He wrote, and directed, <laughs> he wrote and directed a film called Booster, and he wrote and directed a film called Crown Heights. 
and then Boston Stranglers. I have no idea where he's got all this. Like, here's a Kira Knightley film based on a famous person, and we're going to put it on Hulu and Disney Plus and all that sort of stuff. So yeah, Matt Ruskin, writer and director of the same thing. The film stars as Loretta McLaughlin, Kira Knightley, who is a uh, fresh on the podcast. She will not appear in the uh, who's in the universe later on. I'll never appear again. Well, I thought maybe that as well, but she's been in some things. None of these are going to jump off the list and make Andy want to pick them, <laughs> apart from maybe one. Famous for Bend It Like Beckham, Pirates of the Caribbean. I was going to say trilogy, but I don't actually know how many Pirates of the Caribbean films there are. Five? Uh, five, I think so. Five-ish. Love Actually, Pride and Prejudice, Atonement, and The Imitation Game is her big ones. Which it makes it, me basically, what you do is when you hear Keira Knightley, you just switch, switch off, get another film. <laughs> Okay, fair enough. She's, uh, she's the poor man's Natalie Portman. Of course, I was going to say, literally the first time I ever saw her was in uh, Star Wars Episode One. speaking of Star Wars, where she was a double for Natalie Portman, basically. Co-star with Keira Knightley in the film Boston Strangler. As she also Jean... a 12-year-old kid, that's weird. I missed what? what you said there. Son. I said she bangs a 12-year-old kid. Who does? Keira Knightley. Oh, I guess she does, yeah. Well, she does love, actually. Oh, oh, she's actually bad. <laughs> Carrying on, Jean Cole, the character played by Carrie Coon, famous for The Leftovers television show, Gone Girl, The Post, Avengers Infinity War, and Ghostbusters Afterlife. Yeah. I knew Chris would make that face, and I thought Andy would make that face as well. Ah, uh, yeah, Pro- got you. Proxima Midnight from the, the Children of Thanos in Avengers mm-hmm. Infinity War. I did not know that she was her at all. Yeah. I could see it. And I believe I've it. never seen it when I was looking through them. But I, I did not know she'd been in one of the biggest, like, grossing films of all time, old Carrie Coon. And There's then one of those spaces that... where I've seen her before. And I guess most yeah. is a recent thing. Yeah. Absolutely. Because she's going to be in the new one as well. That she's, she's one of the new mainish characters of the Ghostbusters movies. And our third star, as Detective Jim Conley, Alessandro Nivola. And I had not connected the dots that he was Pollux Troy in Face Off. Yeah. <laughs> Basically, that was his breakout. And we talked. He's much... a chameleon. He's like looks completely different, doesn't he? He does. We talked much about him in the Face Off episode. So go back and check out that episode. Jurassic Park three, which I did not connect him to at all. Goal, the football movies one and two. He's like the second main character in the Goal movies. American Hustle, which is basically where his career renaissance came from. Something called Disobedience, which I hadn't heard of. And then The Many Saints of Newark, where he was the main character of the Sopranos prequel that came out a year or two ago. He was the main... I was on TV the other night, Disobedience. Fair enough. I don't know what it is. is that what you look like I never watched. Yeah. No, I was, uh, yeah, it was a uh, pause for effect for the moment. <laughs> right, <okay. laughs> That's one for the YouTube viewers. Just like Chris smelling a Chris heart. pondering. <laughs> I, I, I was... Channel Hoffman and it appeared on uh, Film 4. Oh, there you go. Oh, That's channel channel. Yeah, it didn't look like that kind of thing either, but yeah, I'd never heard of it. And they are our main three stars in here. Although saying that, I think Alessandro Nivola is a wee bit behind the other two. The other two are a bit more of our main characters. And even then, Carrie Coon's quite a distance behind Kira Knightley. It's a Kira Knightley film. She's in basically every scene. Made on a budget of, I have no idea, I can't find it anywhere. In the US, it opened in its first weekend to no million dollars because it went straight to Hulu streaming. Worldwide gross, it's only been out a few days. It came out on the 17th of March, spoiler for that. So that was three days at the time of recording, probably inside a week at the time of listening. I don't know what its gross is because it's Disney Plus and Hulu. Worldwide, we have no idea. So I don't know how much it costs. So informational on this episode. 
I know, it's not going to make any money because it's all going to be part of Hulu subscriptions. And I would pretty much guarantee you're going to get what less than 50 people are going to subscribe to watch this film specifically. Just that's, the that's, biggest Kira Knightley fans in the world. I was going to say, that's been like generous. Oh, well, I mean, like, there were some people out there who were like, oh, there's a new Kira Knightley thing. The only way I can watch it is on Disney Plus. I'll subscribe and watch it. I would imagine. I could be wrong. I'm prepared to be wrong on that. Her man's Natalie Portman. Quite, quite possibly. Uh, 17th of March, worldwide, straight to streaming. That was its release date. Means it's eligible for basically the awards next year because it's not got one nomination for any award yet. But then uh, it's not. We're not in award season now. People wouldn't be getting <coughs> and all that sort of stuff. And also, this is a bit of a dead zone. Not, not, nothing wins awards that comes out in April. Like summer movies, yes, and then approaching the Oscars. So I'm going to make a movie that wins Oscars this time of year. <laughs> Oh, they'll be one somewhere, but for the most part they don't. So yeah, completely clear on the announcement. Can make a movie about us. That's Ryan Reynolds. So, skipping straight onto the synopsis for Boston Franklin, we have one of those by Frank. Frank has done the synopsis here. Loretta McLaughlin, a tenacious reporter, made a name for herself by breaking the story of the Boston Strangler. Working alongside fellow reporter Jean Cole, McLaughlin defied the sexist norms of the era by pursuing the story at great personal risk. As they delved deeper into the case, the pair uncovered corruption that cast doubt on the identity of the notorious killer. McLaughlin's determination and courage in the face of adversity helped to shake up the male-dominated world of journalism and shed light on an important chapter in American history. That's all I've got for terms of plot. He is Frank, wasn't he? He was genuinely like straight to the point. This is what this it's film's very, about. It's very good. Who picked? It was the wheel of current and new movies that we have this this season. And none of us have seen it before because it's absolutely brand new. In fact, it came up on the wheel before it was released, which was a uh, which was. <laughs> Luckily, it came out in the week. Uh, which channel? I had faith in Disney. Yes, yeah. Which channel did we watch it on? As Andy says, Disney+. Disney. Plus. Uh, if you, I believe you are in America or even North America, Hulu is where you get it, but I think worldwide is Disney+. Plus. And there's only one version of it, and that's the one version that we all watched. And that's all that covered, quicker than normal. Not much detail there for you, I'm afraid. It's absolutely brand new. That takes us on to point two on the podcast. The high points, what we thought the best bits and things were of the film. Does anyone want to lead off with anything? Um, mine's yeah, quite near the end. <laughs> there you go. Well, this, we'll we'll start with Chris then. Yeah. <laughs> uh, before I say, like, this is a hard film to pick high points for, though. You don't want to be like, oh, I like it when that person got violated by stuff or got strangled. It's not exactly a high point movie. And also because all the killings are basically the same thing. So yeah. it's really like, it's not like, oh, that was an awesome. Oh, that was really, it's not like Scream. It's like, oh my God, they it's were killed. Like so killing. Exactly, and mm. this one's like everybody gets literally intentionally mind, everyone dies. Mind you, that was, that was a good description of was it the second victim? The first victim. No, the first victim she knows about, which is when it was just like, oh, and a broom pole. And oh, stuff right, like yes. That. Yeah, yeah. I like, that, was pretty, that was pretty detailed. Like, I didn't have, like, actually, before Chris gets a high point, I'm, put, I'm putting this as an early high point, is you don't see anything, but they describe it very well. Uh, that my imagination did. Yeah, my imagination did paint a really one. Yeah. yeah, the uh, imagination did paint a really bad picture. I'll use Andy's yeah. phrase and double down before Chris gets his eye point, and I'll say the bathtub murder works very well in the same fashion, which is the woman is running the bath, and then she stops it to like a drip, 
and he basically yeah. walks away and gets murdered and you can hear it happening and you've kind of seen it happening before and you know what the, the, mm. pro- the process is and then the killer comes back and turns the tap on like the camera just keeps zooming in and it turns the tap on and it's a very violent tap at that point and then <laughs> goes away to finish off his murder i imagine so I, I enjoyed that one as well so there we go that's literally the one killing that i was like oh that was I, quite, quite they're all kind of like that though. even the opening one you kind of, you're in the guy's room as he's right away and all he hears whack whack and screams and like thud you're like what the fuck is going on and then it goes to her i'm assuming she's already gone like dead and then just turns the tv up and it's quite tense you're just sitting like there you don't know what's happening yeah, yeah. I, I forgot that the entire bit existed. I actually didn't like the first bit. Yeah, it's like just the, the whole um, kind of this semi one shot. Yes, it's like goes and gets people to come in. It's just like, is he still in there? Oh, he's long gone. Yeah, I like how you can see, like talking about, you can't ever see what's happening, but it, before he turns the TV on, you can kind of see the reflection in the television screen mm-hmm. like, of just movement in the background. And then say, so just turns it on like that with the, uh, the music playing. Was that your first high point, Chris? Uh, yeah, literally like that opening shot of like yeah. seeing a guy doing his work or something like that, just hearing the thuds in the room next door and the screams. Um, I'll start with one of my all-encompassing high points. I think Kira Knightley is really good throughout. Like I think she does a really good job of not being Kira Knightley. Like I feel like she plays <laughs> Kira Knightley's <laughs> face, like the like in a, the the friendly sort of English, very very English sort of girl and everything that I've ever seen her in personally. You see Pirates of the Caribbean. Yes, she plays English in that. Um, she's infamous for not moving her jaw when she's talking yeah, like that. Exactly. And that's literally what she did for this entire film. <laughs> but for for me, she's te- she's a high point from what Bruce is saying. I'll kind of agree with that. However, every time she was on screen, I don't know if it's because I was watching it in 4K HDR, but it's making me feel old now because she's got a lot of crow's feet. And like I know, <laughs> I know I'm going to get bashed online for being like a feminist and blah, 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 or an anti-feminist. But she looked fucking old, like, and I get it, like, I don't know if there was makeup, I was, for half the film I was like, that's good makeup, is that her? (laughs) I'm not sure, shit. So I still don't know if it's a high point or a good point. She's clearly, she is clearly ageing, as everyone does, and I was wondering that myself, Andy, because I spotted a couple of scenes, I was like, oh, she is, she is looking every bit, like, the three, three three kids, kind of housewife, or not housewife, but working mother, uh, she is looking the part these days, but I thought she carried off kind of, I don't know, like kind of <laughs> lacking in patience, sort of middle aged woman. I thought yeah. she did really, and then American, like she sounded very American. She did not at all sound like she was from Boston, so they never explained yeah. why most of the cast had very strong Boston <laughs> accents. But this woman, they never explained what her background was, unless I completely missed it, that she wasn't with this strong. Boston accent, but uh, not, not that that's a good one. But I thought she was very good, <laughs> and very convincing, and I, I didn't Mark have a Wahlberg voice here. Yes, exactly. Uh, I thought she was good, and but then she doesn't do, she doesn't have a, an awful lot of things to do. Like she doesn't have a breakdown and get really emotionally bored. She doesn't have to do anything. She doesn't have to act like running away from a killer or anything like that. She doesn't have to do any saving of the day. She basically is just a well, journalist thinking at most of the film. So she kind of brought up her acting. Uh, my next high point is her looking at that autopsy scene. And it's like Kieran Knightley, it's probably the best action she's done through this whole film. It's like she's looking at the photos for the first time. Yeah. Because like every time she flipped over, she got more and more like, oh, I can't look at this. Yeah. And that's probably one of the best bits, I'd, I'd say, in the film. Well, there you go. That'll be a high point then, I would say. Yeah. That's, that's a uh, high point. That's, that's the definition <laughs> of a high point. I think my earliest high point after that... I said my high point... 
It's probably before any other ones, which is I enjoyed when the police commissioner came into the newspaper office, and like everyone, like everyone's bracing for it. Everyone's already irritated that uh, that what's her name again, Loretta, has done what she's done. And then the, the whole scene of the commissioner basically starts to try and cover everything up. It's like, yeah, we we don't want this getting out there and like complaining. And also, I love the fact that when, as soon as the commissioner walks in the door. The, the guy from the paper just hands him a whiskey. Like, but very, very 60s thing to do. This gentleman's come into my office. Here, have an alcoholic beverage. She's like, ah, the times, how they change and all that. And then immediately her getting called in and the whole place is going silent as she walks over to the office to get a telling off for stop being a good journalist and all that. Stuff. But I enjoyed that. I kind of liked his, um, I know that the Boston Strangler was the bad guy, but the commissioner was a bad guy with a face. Somebody you could hate and you actually like had a face to it. You didn't know who the Boston Strangler was. You were through the entire film going, Oh, it's him. No, it's him. Oh, I definitely think it's him. Well, oh, yeah. he's my high point. Boston Strangler 2, I think it was uh, Ant Man and Wasp Guy, Polka Dot Man. Uh, right. right, yeah. Wait, Number two. Yeah, him. I quite liked him, but as soon as you see him, it's like, Yeah, you did it. Yeah, like, straight away. He's, yeah, he's got that got face. Me. It's like, you, you did it. My next high point is when Loretta goes to meet. Uh, Conley in the restaurant to accuse Albert de Salvo and yeah. us as an audience we're like it's definitely him because you don't keep David Das Malkin da, 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 him from Ant-Man like, yep. he's not in the film until all of a sudden you see in like a, a flash sideways or a flashback when you call it it's him that's doing it like, oh it has to be him he looks and sounds and acts like a psycho with everything he's in he, he has to be the killer so of course you would run straight to the police and go it's this guy it's this guy and then the reveal that no it can't be him like he was in prison when the murders were happening yeah. I was like oh that's a good twist because I'm guaranteeing it's him but it can't be and then the rest of my point will continue in low points at that bit so any more high <laughs> yeah. points uh, well, I've got a small bit. Like just the gathering of evidence. Like I find it satisfying when you like just the phoning people. It's like, oh, is this person? No. And then they go to the police, like uh, a library or something, or the police, and get the the reports. And you find that like that holy grail piece of evidence is like, this is the guy. Yeah, it's good when it comes together like that. Um, I've only got one more high point, and it's the very end. So Mine, mine's, but... mine's is the the bit after the end when it tells you all the real life stuff. I like that. I like films. Oh, right. the very very end. Yeah. <laughs> yes. I do like that as well, especially when it does kind of wrap things up a bit. Like it could be like, oh, I disavow through this DNA evidence. Yeah. He's given one one of the thirteen murders and all that, and yeah, so and so was really a good journalist for thirty more years. And all. Yeah, yeah, I do like when you. I like, I like a factual ending when it's like yeah. based on a true story. How much of it was true? Just the end bits that they put in. I like that. Yeah. I've got a couple uh, more little high points. Okay, well, my final one, just before what Andy's talking about, is when, basically, the two of them throw all the information on the table and t- talk everybody through what happened. And it's like, well, it was this one at this point, and then because of he went away, and then he would, like, all the evidence they've gathered throughout the previous hour and a half to take five minutes to be like, this is how it all fits together, so that there's no confusion about what happened and who did what, and then you get to the end of the film, and it's like the cases are still unsolved. It's like, but you just told us it's so easy. <laughs> yeah, like, how could the police not see this? But yeah, I do like that they they state their case. This is what we believe as filmmakers or whatever who did the murders, and this is why. So I enjoyed that bit. So Chris, your little ones. Uh, yeah, I like that. The, there's kind of a shift in tone halfway through the film where, through like the first half, they're like looking for all the murderers. There's this one guy, and then it's like, no, actually, no, fuck the murderers. We're going to blame the police. And then the next half is just them going after the police. 
yeah. and ignoring all the murderers and stuff. Really, like, like you it, said earlier, the, the villains in this are very much the Boston Strangler and the Boston PD, or whatever you call it, and their horrific handling of everything yeah. is equally bad, equally to blame for the, the, the 13 people that get killed. See, there was a bit in this film where I was like, if this wasn't based on a true story, my prime suspect would be Kira Knightley. Mm. <laughs> see it coming. The, she, the knew, she knew too much and she was like all over it. It's like, you know, yeah, you're just there. Yeah, the murder she wrote theory that Angela Lansbury, she was always in town when these murders were happening. Yeah, murder she wrote. So I yeah, don't she know. went to further her career. So that's it. Like, <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm not saying now, but like, that could be. Like, yeah. what a way no. to cover your own tracks. You break the case. She was like, there was threatening scenes, but she was never in danger by anyone actually coming to get her yeah. necessarily. So, yeah. And there was like, that creepy guy that she went to meet and then decided to turn around. Maybe she's like, oh, maybe I can't take on this guy. I'm getting out of there. But other than that, I could believe that she could hold her own against people. And if it does take more than one person, her husband just disappears yep. from the film at about the 30 minute end of a ceiling. So, uh, could have been him as well. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, yeah, our final high point is the the confession tapes of the Salvo when you see and they're getting all the information oh, wrong yeah. and the guys just showing them all the. It's just weird. I think this. Oh yeah, that's I remember. That's where I did it. So that was it's, my final high point. That it's really good hearing when it was ha- when it was about to happen. I felt that's how where it was going anyway. Like you could tell that there was something funny going on. But yeah, when you hear them putting the paper down. And it's like, no, actually, oh yeah, it's that way. That 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 was where the bedroom was. It was on the right, whatever it was. He said so. Yeah, and guessing the colours of the blanket or yeah. guessing whatever it was. But yeah, hearing that, so like, oh, a good a good twist, not a twist, not a good reveal, I guess. <laughs> on to point three, then the low points. What is not the worst bits and things were about the film? Uh, can I? My one is the beginning, and this is just a personal opinion now. Any new film that starts with an exciting bit and then goes back to the start of the story gets it's a low point for me. I'm so sick of it. Just tell a story from the beginning of the story. I didn't have this, to know. This sounds like a what do you call it? Um, a movie trope that needs to die for Bruce. Oh, yeah. actually, yeah, I don't know if I did that. This is not, actually but... thanks for because I didn't have one, so never do. That'll there you do. go. But yeah, okay, I'm, we'll I'm come back to this. <laughs> it's like because the whole film, you know, oh, there's a murder in uh, where was it? An Arbor. Ann and it's like, oh, three years later. I was like, well, wh- I know that in three years, somebody's going to kill somebody over there, and you're going to suggest to me that it's the same dude. So it's like, stop spoiling your own film. And also, if you, if you feel like you have to start with an exciting bit, find an earlier exciting bit. Like, so there's always going to be a first murder. Just show me the first murder, rather than it's like, oh, yeah. it infuriates me that films have right. to do this. Every single that's, film that's does. Very similar to Bruce is... I have a big problem with this film is it was based on a true story and I knew quite a bit about the Boston Strangler. So, so I knew opposite. going into this film that I was never going to get a satisfying conclusion <laughs> and everything <laughs> they're doing is just pissing me off because they're making it up. And I was like, oh, God damn it. So, <laughs> or they're making it more obvious, basically. They're saying, yeah. like, oh, but clearly it's this dude here. And you're like, well, because no. well, like, straight away <laughs> I was like, I know it's been, never been solved and there was only ever like that, the, the Santa dude, because it was literally, I can't remember, it was like on a kind of, unsolved murder mystery thing I'd watched like yeah. a, a year or so ago. So I knew like that name I was like, oh yeah, it was him. And I was like, wait a minute, no, they don't solve any of these. So going into it, I was like, I know I'm just not going to get a satisfying story, which I hindered this no film a lot throughout. Whatsoever. So like I, like I said before, I spent an entire film pointing out people going, oh, that's the commissioner. Oh no, wait, actually, <laughs> it's the cop that she's friends with. He's quite sus. And I was like, I yeah, not I see the that, photographer. I'll... He's always yeah. there. 
I, I genuinely think I would have liked that, but yeah, just because it wasn't as obvious as that, it's just like, well, there's these three dudes in prison, it's pretty much as one of them, if not all I, of them. At no point, I actually think it was DeSalvo. It was just like, the coach him to do it. I was like, oh, yeah. well, it's, it's clearly somebody else has done it. They're just getting some like, money for it. It's like, at no yeah. point did I think it was him. And it I'm turns out like, that one murder might actually have been him. When they changed over, when like the, the trend was old ladies, and then it stopped, I was like, was well, quickly not the same guy anymore, and then the person, someone in the film says, "Well, that's not how serial killers work." And I'm like, oh, so it's a different guy now. And I feel like the film caught up about twenty minutes later with being like, "It's not the one dude. It's a different guy now." It's like, well, <laughs> you told us in the film that it was a different person now that was doing it. Um, but that takes me on to my well, one minor, well, one major point. I need to slip in here. Were there no lights in the 1960s? Because the <laughs> whole film is like it's in the dark. Like it's like like on the video version, I'm pointing at the darkness. It's pitch black <laughs> the entirety of the film, and I, like I, I can't see like the the color. There's no color in this film either. Like it's the 1960s. It's I remember. I remember what I've seen from various pop culture things Obviously. of the time and about the time. It's bright colors. It's the 60s. It's a really really bright time with fashion and all this stuff. But nobody in this film wears anything except from grey and black, and it's <laughs> very dull to look at. Which didn't help that I've got on my notes here. 45 minutes in, I'm now starting to lose interest. Um, and that was around the time that the, the pregnant girl was obviously killed by not the serial killer. And I'm like, oh, she's just wasted time now. It's like, she's pregnant and it's, all, it's by the boss, is it? And she seems to not be on the trend of the other victims. And I'm like, oh, right. So I can stop paying attention now because she's going to find out that it's not the serial killer that's killed her. And it took me a while to get back into it again. But yeah. That, that the one that got me when it, when it changed is there's one that opens the door and she goes hello and she's like oh yeah I'm here to do your radio because she, she clearly doesn't know him and he goes and makes a cup of coffee and he just appears behind her and just chokes her so he's obviously not somebody that knows her Yeah. so I think so. they're just picking random people to make it like yeah. I don't yeah. know just to try and confuse us and it did, it did I don't know too. who the fucking killer is <laughs> I don't, I don't yeah, know if it, like, it could be a high point, but I'm going to put it as a low point because it, did, it comes up with a genius idea when a serial killer starts. That's your time to get rid of some people you don't like. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Like, yeah, it's genius. Yeah. I, like, I like that aspect of the film, but yeah, I'll put it in a low point because it just basically made me think of being a serial killer. Especially if it's all over the newspapers and you see, oh, all four of the women have been this, that, and the other. You're like, oh. Okay. Yeah, just tie a little bow around them. Sorry, yeah. it wasn't me. Yeah. That guy, uh, the guy that started, I think it was Paul Dempsey. Paul Dempsey, which is the if name he... of a football commentator, so that made me laugh when Paul Dempsey was getting right. <laughs> If he had just stopped at five, he would have got away with it, scot free. He could have just left and lived his own life. But then he had to go start killing more people in Michigan. Else yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, it was an error. Was it... oh, he went to New York, didn't he? Was he not the New York one? I think he might have been the New York oh, one. Oh, maybe I. He went somewhere and anyway, if he'd just yeah. stopped, he would have got away with it. He would have done. But that's it. it. The, the I don't know the need for blood rises <laughs> to feed the desire the hunger um, with the exception of Chris Cooper at the newspaper the boss man and then the other boss guy who's in a couple of scenes all the male characters look really similar like the ones who are kind of <laughs> important-ish to the story until we get to the actual three killers who I could identify spoiler but I can't, I, for a while I lost track of who the detective was who her husband was, who Carrie Coon's husband was, and there was another character, there was four guys. That, oh, I think it was the guy who uh, was in the newspaper in New York, or maybe another detective in New York or something like that. 
Every time I saw guys, and which one are you again? I had to wait like a couple of minutes into each scene. Ah, oh, right, okay, you're the husband, and like all that sort of stuff. It, it really confused me a couple of times that they cast so many people who look strikingly similar. Uh, I've got one more major low point, which is my continuation from earlier. So I'll have you hit us with one of yours, Chris. Well, do you know uh, when Loretta's sitting talking to one of the mums, and they try to do this artistic shot of behind hair and all that. And it just fucking fails miserably because half their face is covered. And you can see them kind of looking like that, trying to keep round to talk to each other. It just pissed me off. Because I was like, trying, I'm trying to see, like, fucking hell, Kira's talking, like, move. I'll try, fucking hell, what's going on here? So the hair pisses you off. Like, it's not, it's not, it's not a low point for this film. It's just generically a low point. It's just, women's hair is in, like, I don't know, 1990 backwards. What the fuck were they thinking half the time? <laughs> Kira Knightley's hair, the other woman's hair behind Chris that you can see, and then even the other woman behind Chris, they all had like this is weird. Like, what the fuck? Did they all just put the same hairdresser and same with men as well in like old films? Yeah. They seem to just well, like same they've got one called style. pomade. Yeah, yeah. The uh, I did think I, I did wonder at one point, like, what what is Kira Knightley doing with her haircut in this? And then they show the picture of the actual woman at the end, and I'm like, oh yeah, that, yeah. that is what her hair was yeah, like. Bang on. Yeah. yeah, fair enough. It's like, it's not it, did, it did seem like the makeup artist was like, I know how to do one style. All the women in this film can have the one style, <laughs> and that's what you're getting. That's what it must have been. Uh, so my my low point that continues from earlier. I enjoyed the scene where she goes, "It's DeSalvo," and he's like, "It couldn't be him. He was in prison." So, in full caps, in bold in my notes is, he didn't actually check to see that he was even in prison. <laughs> it's like, is that not step two of, oh, or step three? We think it's this guy. Where was he? Oh, he was sentenced to prison. Oh, well, he must have been there then. Like, not a case of, I will actually check that this check guy who I think committed half a dozen murders was actually there. Because this sort of thing can happen. If, it, if it's in a timeline that could happen, well, you can get out of prison in that amount of period. At least check. And it's like, th- at this point, that's when the police department turned heel on me, which was, oh my God, they're completely useless. <laughs> I, just, I gave up on them at that point. They did not even check that he was in prison. So yeah, that's my final low point. I could just give right. up. I've, I've got point. one more low point once again. It's not really related to the film again, unfortunately. This film suffers because of the Jeffrey Dahmer series from Netflix. Right, okay. Because right. you guys already hate the cops and stuff like that in this. I absolutely despise the cops in the Jeffrey Dahmer series who were even more inept than this bullshit. Right, okay. So it just basically made me hate cops. But cool. not the film's fault. Just cops are stupid. Just generally, because both of them based on true events. It's like, yep. Uh, it's <laughs> bad, actually. Uh, any more from you, Chris? I've got one little one. Um, at the movie, when it shows the, the guy confessing, and he's sitting there going, oh, yeah, I did them all. And I'm like, who the fuck is this guy now? They've just introduced a random guy who's just um, admitted to doing all the murders. And then it pans out to the film like, oh, fucking hell. Could you yeah. using the hell out of me now. <laughs> Chris, you're going, like, yeah. fuck are you? Yeah. I know, I just said, oh, yeah. Um, I, I admitted to all the murders. I'm like, he's never been a fucking fingered once. Who the hell is he? And so then he goes back to the cop. I saw this coming because I was already so kind of bored that I was like, right, I'll just start doing my proper notes. So I was like, could this film come out in 1995? So I was like, Boston Strangler movies. I was actually Googling that and it was like, oh, there's a 1968 Boston Strangler film. I was like, wait a minute, 1968? I was like, 
we've just jumped forward a year. It's 1960. Like this could catch up, and then it did basically catch up yes. for them making the actual film. So, yeah. um, I, I was ready for it because I'd already found out yeah. that they made a film basically when it was still happening. <laughs> but yeah, yeah it's, it's, it's mad. Yeah, funny. Was that us then? Yeah, that's me. I think, I think we just. I think we went easy on it with maybe with the low points, mainly because <laughs> not an awful lot really happens in this film. Really, no. a it's lot of looking good. at paper. Yeah, not not good for highs and lows. There's a lot of constants uh, happens in this film. So on to the stats. Eleven shits and three f bombs is not what I anticipated yeah. going into this. Wait, I think any? Yeah, I don't know. Well, there, there was a few. It took. A, I think. Quite honestly, I think intentionally they didn't do much in the way of swearing in front of the women because it was the 60s and wasn't the proper thing to do back then. So it was mainly scenes where you only had guys and that's not an awful lot. So, um, yeah, not much in the way of swearing. Uh, more swearing than I thought it was going to be. No explosions, which is expected. 14 deaths. Every one of the serial killer's deaths and then our, our main man, uh, he died as well. He got stabbed to death. Quotas, no cows, no goats, no dead animals whatsoever. I'm assuming there's a paedophile in it somewhere. I would like, say so. Probably one of them that was in the mental hospital prison oh, thing. That's, uh, that's good. So the person family was old women, weren't they? Then he went to younger, but they weren't kids. Mm. I mean. Yeah, they weren't kids, no. Young, younger Something women, he said, so. Psychopaths, back in the 60s before they had paedophiles, I think. They weren't invented yep. yet. Just general killers. Just, just went for anybody and everybody back then. Yeah. The Tackleberry Trifecta, the former Tom Cruise, <laughs> maybe current Tom Cruise, I think a complete <laughs> shutout. Like, this, running is minimal. There was even any running in it. Nobody gets the girl in the way that the Tom Cruise Trifecta is spirit of. Um, and there's no motorbikes. So, yeah, completely nothing there. Did they say the thing? Did they say I... Boston Strangler? Eight times. I said as a guess. Six times. Ah! <sighs> Not a bad guess. 30 minutes for the first one is when Kira Knightley first coins him the Boston Strangler in her in her typing. Chris, any stats from you? Yeah. Phones ring 62 times. Bloody hell. What a, what a fact. <laughs> oh, it's coming up later on. Why? This, I did it. Uh, this is, this is the kind of shit that we do with your podcast, but just for facts like that. It didn't even stand out to me. Well, well, no, oh, well I suppose the newsroom would be ringing, I suppose. Yeah. The world, because I had my headphones out. It's going to come up later on. But... <laughs> I don't need to why you've got it later on, but a phone ringing, is it like ring, 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 ring? No, it, is that one yeah, or is that three? That's one. That's and one. then, because then so you could tell, because it would go ring, ring, and it would stop for a little while. Then it would go ring, and then it would pick up. Then somebody else would go ring, ring, and it was like, fucking hell. So each constant. phone call, 62. Um, yeah. That's probably, that's that's more than two, well, one every two minutes, I would say. So, uh, yeah, impressive. Uh, any others? No, that was it. Andy, do you have an interesting, random, or otherwise fact about Boston Strangler? Uh, yeah, so this set behind me isn't in Boston, it's in Southend in England. Southend <laughs> in England. It yes. doesn't look like Southend. No, it no. not look English. So. Yeah, that's, that's Southend. How is it that Britain looks more like America than America does? Why like, well, like, does Glasgow look like Gotham City? Exactly. <laughs> one of the Indiana Jones movies was filmed in Glasgow. Is it the new one? I think it might yeah. be the new one that's coming out. Was, yeah, I think it was. They were filming there in Newcastle. It's like, <laughs> why? Like, there's so many more cities and buildings over there. Like, like why yeah. are you coming over here? Surely, if you want to make it look like Boston, just go film it in Boston. <laughs> right there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Very good. On to point five, the 10 point podcast quiz. Andy, over to oh, you. Oh, fuck. Where's this going? Right. This quiz has got a bit, a bit of explaining to do. 
No. It's called the Boston Wrangler. Okay. You've got to use the clues that I'll give. I'll say one clue, and then I'll say another clue, and then I'll say another clue. And then you've got to chime in with the famous Bostonian. Right, okay. So you've got to guess oh, the Bostonian okay. from the clues I'm giving you. No, so I'm going to say them, and when you think you know, shout in. But if you get it wrong, you get shut out for the rest of the clues. Ah, okay. Um, so is I, there a set set number? Uh, they're mostly threes. Mostly threes, cool. So I'll, I'll like I'll say a clue. I'll stop. You can chime in. You can chime in at any time. You can stop me mid sentence if you want. Cool, but only but if you say really the wrong answer. Right. Yeah, if you say the wrong answer, you get locked out, and then the other person can listen to all the clues. Right. Okay. Number one. Remember, they're all famous Bostonians. Okay. That's your clue. Right. The most famous historical figure to have been born in Boston. Clue one. Doesn't really was the president it. of the United States. Oh, I knew it was him. I can't remember his fucking name. Right. And your last one. His face is on a hundred dollar bill. Is it George Washington? No, it's wrong. not. Damn it! Oh no, it is. Oh, I'm an idiot. Chris, do you want to take a stab in the dark? No, I can't think of his name. Nah. It was Benjamin Franklin. Yeah, that's, that's. I was too quick on the draw for George Washington. God damn it! Right, <clears throat> oh. right next one. First clue is a best friend. Mark Wahlberg. Yes, it is Mark Wahlberg. What? Yeah. <laughs> you your other point? ones for that one was found himself in a strange place with some primates. That was the next one. Then has a, a famous siblings with co-owner of an excellent burger chain. Right. So it was it's the best friend the Ted reference. Yeah. Yes. Right. So yeah, Chris just out and over pulled out his arse. Right. Next one. So question three. Previously married to Gary Oldman. Danced to Chuck Berry's You Never Can Tell in a Tarantino movie. Yes, it is, Uma Thurman. She might have got to Gary Oldman. I have no idea. Yes. idea. And then your last one was, has a problem with Bill. That was <laughs> the last clue. Big problem with Bill. Right, number four. Is a mall rat. Has Jason been known Lee. to... V- nope. Shut oh. Chris gets the next two, so you can wait to the end if you want. So... <laughs> One was, is a mall rat. Two, has been known to visit Hell's Kitchen. And three, I'm Batman. Yeah, Ben Affleck. Ben Affleck. Right, Just before one. you said Jason Lee, I was going to try and remember that. <laughs> Are you going to say uh, Jason Lee as well, were you? No, I was going to say Ben Affleck. Ben Affleck. Um, I, I wanted to get an early like, oh, wait. I knew Chris would get the clue quicker uh, with them lot than me, so I thought I'd go for Jason. <laughs> right, question five. The White Bitch of Garnia in an epic movie. Oh. oh Recently appeared in We Have a Ghost. Stifler's mum. Jennifer Coolidge. I got Bruce first. Oh, fuck I off! I was no, I heard Bruce good. first. I heard Bruce clear as day first. <clears throat> so, yeah. Jennifer Coolidge. Right. Question six. Was she in? So was it was it epic movie that she was in the first? Yeah, time? she was the white right. bitch of Garnia, but not Narnia in an epic movie. Yeah, yeah, in, in epic. I wasn't sure if you said in epic movie or in an epic movie, as in it was in like... an epic movie. Right. Okay. Uh, I, 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 right. I, I remember none of it. Number six. 
a suspect in a movie about a murder to be solved. A pivotal part of a moving train. Brother to Susan Storm. That's all your questions. Chris Evans. It's Chris uh, Evans. Well, I was like, ah. It was a nice, it was a nice question. Uh, yeah. Thingy, thingy train one, which called Snowpiercer, and then Fantastic Four. I would never got to be the train. I'd have to be the other two. I was just like, uh, number That's Fantastic Four. <laughs> Who's writing who in that game? Number seven, a cheerleader took a wrong turn. Just, uh, no, it's not. It's uh, Eliza Dushko. It is Eliza Dushko. Fuck it hell. He's I know it's Jason Smackers. I Jason somebody, yeah. <laughs> I'll give you it. The last one when that one was a slayer on a TV show, so. Oh, I'd have been. Um, right, question eight. A couple more. Just Bruce can still pull us back. I need them, I need them both, I think. Right. Yeah. Known as a patriot, appeared as himself in Ted 2. Tom Brady. Yes, it is Tom Brady. The last one was going to be Brady the greatest. First <laughs> the greatest quarterback of all time at the last oh, yeah, one. So Bruce's comeback is on. Here we go. Right. On go. Number nine. Won a Pulitzer Prize. Assassinated in 1963. John F. Kennedy? It is John F. Kennedy. The last one was the youngest elected president in the United States. I was actually going to say Loretta McLaughlin because she won a pull. What's the scores? It's 4-4. Four, four. Right, here we go. Sudden death tiebreaker. Winner takes all. Still win it. Still win it. Right. Controversial human rights activist portrayed by Denzel Washington in a movie featuring his name. Malcolm X? Oh, Bruce got it. Oh, fuck off! I said Malcolm yes. X, and then he said it right after me. Nope. I heard Bruce Malcolm You guys can listen to it back. I heard clear as day Bruce first, and you were just after me, Chris. I'll be honest, so, Chris, you were way behind me when I said it, so it, there's a delay there, and Andy's the one in the middle, unfortunately. So you can, like he says, you can hear the podcast back. You can listen to it back, anybody, but I heard Bruce clear as day, so as far oh, as I'm currently, shit. Bruce wins. From 4 2 down to win 5 4. Yes. <laughs> right, Chris. That happened because that's uh, miles ahead of you. <laughs> Make yourself feel better. Tell us the people from the Templar Podcast Universe in Boston Strangler. <laughs> I don't want him. <laughs> I can uh, take us two if you want then. <laughs> I've got a few here. Uh, Danny Connolly, who was the building super, he was in 21 Jump Street as a, a teacher in the flashback. I, I'd have got that far down the cast. So, <laughs> all right. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it was. Uh, <laughs> oh, I haven't put this guy's name in. Uh, Chris Cooper, who was ahead of the thing, he was in uh, me, myself, and Irene as Lieutenant Gurk. Was he one of the villains, or was he just again? Like, yes. Quick, his character, like I saw. A picture I think he was the villain. Right. After, because Rennie Zellweger's ex-husband was like chasing them, but it was yeah. actually Chris Cooper was behind it all. Right. Um. Ah, you've already mentioned Alexander Navolo who was Detective Connolly, he was Pollock's Troy in Face Off. That's not seem like the same guy. It doesn't seem like he's this, old enough to be Pollock's Troy. I know. Troy. It was when I watched, like you said, Jurassic Park 3, and I was like, I recognise that guy's face. 
and I had to, it wasn't until I walked like I went through Iden B. I was like, fuck, there's no way Pollock's Troy. <laughs> Can't be. And uh, finally, Carrie Coon, who is Jean. This blew my mind. She was in Gone Girl. Yep. As uh, Margot's son. Yeah. Uh, you've missed one, if that's you, Chris. Who have I missed? You've missed Rory Cochran, who I think was the New York detective. Uh, I think. Detective. Is he uncredited? Nope. He is. One, two, three, four, fifth on IMDb. <laughs> uh, to me, he's the guy from Days and Confused. We've not done Days and Confused, but he was Charles Frick in A Scanner Darkly. The guy at the very oh, beginning is covered with all the bugs at the beginning of A Scanner Darkly. Um, yeah, he was Chris in New York. Forgot we did that film. I, I definitely didn't. Right? Just saw the name was like, ah, I didn't do him. I guess so far down the list, I'm like, guys, oh, nobody, so I'll just go back and do something else. Oh, fifth down the list, like, <laughs> No, I, I like, I went back to them, I was going to the films, like, oh, there's nothing popping ah, up. Right. Here, so. He must have missed them, yeah. Yeah, I, I just saw his name and I was like, I know that name. And I was like, oh, yeah, it's kind of dark. Uh, but that's it, I didn't do any more, so I missed all those. I found a lot more in the same films in this one. Like, it's a, every time I clicked on there, what films have been, the same ones kept popping up. Even like weird independent films kept popping up. Yeah. So they must have, have you recast the three of us into the film? I did. So, well, I now want to make Andy the killer because he's a dick. But um, <laughs> uh, I thought, you know what? I'd picked um, us by which lifestyle section we were doing the magazine. Right. Okay. Good one. Yeah. So uh, Andy would do the product reviews. Yes, he yeah. would. Uh, Bruce would do fashion and style. I don't know why, but okay. Because <laughs> uh, there was only like five or six of them, and I would do diet. You'd Clearly, do diet. I would be on diet. <laughs> the other one was. Um, Household wares and stuff like that. So right, maybe yeah. you do that one. I'll take the fashion. Um, I also dodged making us the three killers. I thought that's, <laughs> let's not go that way. So I tried to go to other male characters in the film. Uh, so I'll take Chris Cooper's role. Chris, you can be Detective Conley, and Andy can be I'll the commissioner. That. Yeah. Com- <laughs> denying everything. <laughs> um, okay, okay. Uh, I mentioned that the one one film I wanted to pick on was the Boston Strangler from 1968, uh, which was it won a, it nominated for Golden Globes and all. It was quite a successful film, right as the, the thing was still happening, basically. But I didn't go any no other film references other than that. So my usual questions I've asked: Could this film have come out in 1995? Definitely. There was nothing that means that they couldn't have made a period piece like this uh, then. I'd, I don't think there's been any major developments. Like even the bit at the end said that they tied Armand de Silva with. Um, which got DNA of... evidence and all that. Yeah. So I don't know if that came after 95, but it's not needed for the film, obviously. It's stuck at the end. So yeah, this easily. I, I, I'm not going to bother casting it because I was cast the same people from 1995. But yeah, could have come out. Dead Man Walking, it, it's tough because I, I didn't really think anyone would be. But in retrospect, the minute that uh, David Dalmachian was going to take the fall, you knew he wasn't going to make it out alive, basically. It's like, you, you don't be the fall guy and survive. That's kind of the point of you taking the fall. Who's in the wrong movie? I feel like Alessandro Nivola, as the detective, is basically in a separate film. Like, just being a useless detective. He pops in and out, and he, he seems to be very inconsequential help to our journalist pals. I feel like he needs his own one. And in the trope, we've already given Chris his one. Films yeah. that start films that start with a, a not the not foreseen. My one actually was my follow-up low point. Someone put a bloody light on. These films these days are so <laughs> I'm sick of it. I'm sick of every new film that comes out. Well, okay, take away all the lights so nobody can see anything. And that, that that's uh, that's my trope. Andy, what's your trope? Uh, American kids leaving like one minute to two minutes to eat their breakfast. Yeah. 
Like right, they always have great spread, big pancakes, crispy bacon. Oh, it's fine. I'll, I'll just get a small bowl of cereal. It's like there's fucking bacon and pancakes in there. Get down and eat your fucking dinner. Just every it irritates me. Like they put on such a good spread. And like, what time do kids go to school in America? Because it's always glorious sunshine. They've had time mm. to make all these pancakes and bacon. Like I get up and go to work and it's fucking pitch black and I've barely yeah. made myself a fucking <laughs> a sausage. Oh yeah, have breakfast. Like yeah. we're as we're as high up the hemisphere as America is. As like, well, they seem to like the they all start working at like eleven o'clock. They pick up their kids. It's always yeah. daylight when they're doing always this. Always daylight when they go to school. Whereas we are like not pitch black, but definitely dark going to school yeah. a lot of times. So. Uh, point seven on the podcast. That one thing I have got this blank. I have got not one thing from this film to be the one thing. Uh, well, there's one thing, but I, I don't. I don't want to give it that. So, what about you guys? Uh, I'll say this is this Kira Knightley film. Is it though? Like it is, but it's not. Yeah. <laughs> it's the, it's the one that I'll remember never to watch again. Yeah. <laughs> uh, for me, it's phone ringing. Oh, definitely. I remember it for constant phone ringing. Phone, that, that one film with the phones. Yeah, never mind phone booth or scream. This is the phone. Oh, God. No, fuck them. It's <laughs> constant. Every scene change. Ring, ring. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> Uh, for me, I'll put my one thing. This is the film that I'll say it. I was going to try and not utter the word on this podcast, even get through it. So this is that one film that really, really, really wanted to be Zodiac, but was about a tenth as good as the film Zodiac. That's what this <laughs> film is. It was like, like, oh, Zodiac's great. It's really people love it. It was really well made, really successful. Let's just make Zodiac with a different murderer, and it absolutely does not even get near to how good Zodiac is. So to me, that film that copied Zodiac is what this is. On a point eight, our nominations for the Ten Point Podcast Awards. Chris, something quick. Uh, best actor, Keira Knightley. I've got it. I think she was good. Yeah, personally. I'll cover that. Um, best badass Loretta because like she went place she's cracked the case kind of thing mm. no fine uh, best team I, Loretta I'm, and Jean. I'm just saying she's not <laughs> okay <laughs> best team is Loretta and Jean I've got the Stranglers <laughs> they the did have a good plan like yeah. they, did, they worked together they executed it and they went yeah like, well, they, that's what I've got as best they, villain because it's still not solved to this day. Yeah. So I'm, I'm happy with both. I think they are a better team than the two journalists yeah. are, personally. Okay. Uh, I put Stupid's <laughs> character, the commissioner. Yep. Probably, yeah. Why are you police in this, pretty much? Yeah, they're, 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 oh, they're the worst cops. Uh, the, the Bastard yep. police force is the worst well, cops. Yeah. Specifically, I went our main man, Conley, because he didn't even look up to see if the guy was actually in prison when he thought yeah. he was in so well, to be fair, the, the Boston police were wanting to raid gay clubs and not solve murders, so... Yeah, the yeah. The entire I, police department was shit. That was one of my disconnects with the film at that point. I was like, why? I couldn't really work out. And it's like, oh, it's just, they clearly just have other priorities. It's not a case of... I thought it was them trying to help solve the crime. I like, but what? how? What's made you do that? It's like, oh, actually, it's unrelated. That's how little they care. So, ah, oh, right, okay, it makes sense. Um, my worst twist was the killer was just some random guy persuaded to take one for the team. <laughs> but then he like, wasn't either. <laughs> like, yeah, I know. So, I, I don't know. It was confused me. So. It's, it's kind of twist in the film, but it's not really. I don't know. It's, it's, it's weird the way this is presented, the story. Uh, my best accent was the Bastion one. Which one? The, ba- the Bastin accent. Nobody's Bastin in this film. 
Yeah, I've got for worst accent. Did Kira Knightley just not bother with the Boston? Yeah, Boston accent was my worst accent. I think I don't know. Like she She's like, I can do American, but I can't do Boston, so we'll just do generic <clears throat> yeah. American. Yeah. Maybe she wasn't actually from Boston. I haven't. Well, that's what I'm thinking. Maybe. Yeah. So uh, we'll maybe find out. Um. Nah, I think that's it. Best song? Yeah. No, nowhere to run by Martha and the Vandellas. That's the song on the TV at the beginning. Yeah. There's the only song in the film, I think. Yep. Uh, Danny John Jules. I did not know that David Dastelbovachlachian was going to be in the film. So when yeah. he popped up, touching up someone, I was like, oh my God, it's, it's him. <laughs> <laughs> well, so, I don't know. He's kind of a bit part person in a lot of films. So yeah, he's got he one of the faces. He does have one of them faces. But oh, yeah, he's kind of in the film though. So it's not a cameo. Yeah. So I think he's no, Danny he's, John Jules. Yeah. So I, I yeah. did, not, yeah. did not know he was in it. I'd only ever knew Kieran Knightley and Carrie Coon were in this. Most annoying kid, whichever one punched the other one in the. <laughs> <laughs> oh, if it froze right at the perfect time. A kid killed him. Car. Uh, oh, there we go. Oh, no. He's back. Well, I'm, I'm He's a frozen back. Um, Yeah, most annoying kid, whichever one punched the other one in the car, Jeremy, right. is, yeah. the, uh, is the annoying one, I think, unless the other one annoyed him so much. Most obvious name, the Boston Strangler. <laughs> That's quite <laughs> obvious name. <laughs> nice. Where's he from? What does he do? <laughs> uh, and worst plan oh it says DeSalvo was sentenced to a jail term that means he can't be the killer I won't bother going to check any further than that that's the worst plan <laughs> really hung up on that point didn't he I, 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 I honestly dumb, dumbfounded me that it was like tell, <laughs> it's a bit lucky part of the film is oh they're terrible but the film was like oh yeah it can't be him he was in prison for them to 10 minutes later to be like oh you never checked it's like oh well, why did you tell me that then it's like I still tried to follow a story along here Um. I think that's it for me. Uh, best product placement, Andy. Uh, yeah. No. <laughs> I was I was gonna go. Haha! The newspaper that she works for. Oh, it didn't have a name, did it? It it, it she keeps mentioning it. it's the record something. Right. Record America. That, record American. Right. Or, I was got, waiting for like a big thing, but yeah, I didn't see anything. So I was like, oh, it'd be the record American, brilliant. But then it got moved like it got combined with a different newspaper which then got combined with a different newspaper and is now the boston herald so it's yeah. not even product placement because the newspaper doesn't exist anymore so it doesn't really work that way either so uh maybe it's for the boston herald because i investigated it together yeah, i think zero it's like there's yeah. no products in this film whatsoever nope. bizarre i think that's it then uh on to point nine moral of the story what lesson were we supposed to learn from Boston Strangler. Andy, what's your moral of the story? Uh, if it says based on a true story, I probably won't like it. Fair enough. <laughs> uh, I've gone for their strength in numbers. That's the moral of the story. Because both the good guys and the bad <laughs> <laughs> Strength in numbers. Chris? Uh, I went for it. easy one. Don't strangle people. <laughs> Don't strangle people, yeah. yeah yes. Fair point. Good advice. <laughs> good advice, generally. <laughs> point 10 on the podcast in record time is the 10-point rating. Uh, where we rate the movie out of 10. I usually go alphabetical with the wheel ones, Andy. So why don't you Two fish. Two fish. So it's shite one. Two. It adds something. It adds something. <laughs> like I said, I went into this like knowing I was never going to be satisfied. But I thought they might, okay, they might do something different, but they really didn't. So I knew I was <laughs> never going to get this outcome that I wanted. And yeah, Kieran Knightley just kind of bored the shit out of me. I mean, she's not exciting. I think she's fine. No, just she's like I said, poor man's Natalie Portman. Just there. Uh, so I've already mentioned it. It's trying so hard to be Zodiac, but 
like a, a bit of an Andyism. It's not even close to the top twenty-five serial killer movies. I would say safely, twenty-five serial killer movies are better than this. I would say. Scream um, one, scream two, scream exactly. Three. Not three, <laughs> probably not. Um, but yeah, most of the scream movies, Zodiacs, your know, Friday the Thirteenth, your Halloweens, it, like millions. Uh, so it's a four for me because I think it's okay, but it's not very. Like, it's hard to really make say anything bad you about it. That's a four, but gave fucking the Cuba one. Jesus, this hell. is comfortably better than the Cuba. <laughs> I would still watch neither again, but the Cuba is just bad, whereas this is just like ugh, boring. Uh, Chris, you? Uh, yeah, I'm like a true crime junkie, and I was really looking forward to this. I thought this would be a belter, but like you both said, it was just a bit boring and flat. Uh, it took like an hour. For me to not notice that there wasn't any phones ringing after it, because <laughs> it fucking every scene there was phones ringing. <laughs> Sixty-two of the bastard and things. How did you not notice it? Nope. Like, I watched the view the first Genuinely. time, and I was like, "Fuck!" Oh, I can actually imagine this is how you watch the film. You put it on within five minutes. You're like, <laughs> "Oh, I watched <laughs> this one all the way through." Maybe sleep once. So right. I was like, every time they went, they changed the scene to the Herald. The phone rang. I was like, "Jesus Christ!" It's like non-stop. And then she was at home. Like, if you see a newsroom, the phone's ringing all the time. That's yeah. Well, then like, I went to her house, and it kind of zoomed in on the phone, and the phone rang. I was like, "Fucking four times in one scene." <laughs> but um, I, it's it's not a bad movie. It's just boring. It's just a bit yeah. mess. So I, I gave it like a, a five. It's just a an average film. It's a little old for Chris. Jesus. Nice. I mean, it's a three overall, officially a three out of ten. Probably a bit kind on it, maybe giving it a three. Well, I give it a four. I don't know. It's it's just it's nothing. It's just uh, uh There's so much yeah. better things to do with an hour and three quarters. Go watch, you just go on Discovery Plus and just watch uh, a proper Boston Strangler documentary. Yeah, way more exactly. Yeah, way better. Watch half a Zodiac. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, anyway, this is the wheel. It's the third film that the wheel's chucked up for us this season. It's kind of going to ruin what we had an idea that the theme was. Boston Strangler, 80 for Brady, and Beast. Um, <laughs> the capital B might, might be what I think is the trend. <laughs> 80 in Boston. But, yeah. um, uh, we had it wasn't trips. for Beast, it could have been like real people. Or Boston related because of Tom Brady and the Patriots. Oh, yeah. I never knew that. Maybe the line was from Boston. <laughs> <laughs> the, uh, we had trips of a lifetime last time because Beast was obviously a <laughs> safari with sort of thing and then it was the Super Bowl. But yeah. <laughs> yeah. Tough to link them, I think. Oh, you got to trip to South End. Or wherever it was. Uh, there's not an uh, English person playing American in 80 for Brady, is there? Does Emery die know. in Brady? I don't think so. Well, no, no they don't die in. We no, think they're all, one. They're all alive. Yeah. They're I think the like... best bet for me is somebody is English playing American in 8 for Brady because obviously Kieran Knightley and <laughs> I think it just helped place American if, if memory serves in, in Beast. That might be, might be the best. Next time is Andy and he's already he's worried about his team I think but he's excited about his pick. Andy? Right. I think I'm 99.9% sure it is if it's my theme. So I'll I'll say the film and you can try and guess the theme because there could be some dubiousness about it. I've already forgotten where all the picks were, but carry on. I don't right. know I remember. So this this is an all star cast film. Good. Okay? I have not seen this film in twenty three years. So it's a year so it's, <laughs> so it's, it's, it's a long time. 
it's current. It very much is. It's hitting every single thing that's current right at the moment. It's like okay. when I read you some of this cast list, you'll see what I'm going with it here. Got Brian Cox in it. Okay, he's oh. he's everywhere at the moment. Succession, uh-huh. the whole lot, right? Yeah. You've got Michael Keaton. He's 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 Batman again. Yeah. We've got a, a podcast favorite, Robert Duvall, in it. And then uh-huh. you've got the star of the film. Ali McCoist. It's a shocking <laughs> oh, glory. Robert oh. Duvall was the giveaway for me. <laughs> so yeah, we're doing the 2000 A Shot at Glory, also starring Sean Walker. Andy. <laughs> and me. Sean and Andy, both in A Shot at Glory. I have long heard about this film and never seen any of it, so I am very excited I've seen for it. Of it. I've never watched this at all. It's, it's, a, basically, it's just a true Wrexham story as well. That's why it's current as well. It's very oh, yeah. much like that. And I'm going to tell you my theme as well. Because I'm pretty sure it does fit into my theme. Sports. So you thought my it yeah, you're still saying sports. You're close, like, but it's not test. quite. <laughs> it is an underdog story. Right. Okay. Chris's <laughs> okay. face. Yeah. The human race. The one-legged man yeah. wins. Leg, the cube. Yeah. Zam gets out. You didn't see that coming. That was a proper underdog story. I it's not his story though, is it? <laughs> yeah, but nobody's seen that coming. That was like the underdog gets out there. Nobody's seen that coming. Uh-huh. Uh, what else did he do? He did, uh, what do you call it, the ringer. <laughs> the ringer? Yeah. Sure, he's like the overdog, is he not? No, no, <laughs> the story's not about him, it's about the other guy winning, the guy you didn't expect, the underdog. Ah, I think the point is about that, isn't it? Okay. Yeah. Yeah. The un- <laughs> so yeah, it's an underdog story, and I'm pretty sure this fits into it because it's about an Ali McCoy's redemption story. <laughs> I did I did ask one of the other uh, stars to come on the show, but they've declined, but they will write a quiz on it. Right, okay, cool. Sean, Sean does not want to come on the podcast. I will put a clip up behind him and that's that's gonna be my background. So I'm right, picking that background. <laughs> right. Uh, there you go. Good luck in the next uh, week finding a shot at glory. I don't know if it's it, it's on YouTube. It's free on YouTube. Oh, brilliant! Okay, it? so there you go. <laughs> it's it's, it's got... on YouTube and it's on Amazon, so you can. There but you yeah, a apparently, shot... a shot at glory. So there you go. Find it worldwide. There you are. Uh, watch a shot at glory within the next week, and we'll see you here next time on the Template Podcast.